Welcome to Creative Biolab Science Channel. As an experienced expert and reliable partner, Creative Biolabs is proficient in lipid-based drug delivery and functional liposome development. With versatile methods, diverse products, superior quality, and fast turnaround, we are confident to provide optimum solutions tailored to boost your R&D projects. Dear friends in the audience, you are welcome to listen to our program on time every Saturday night. As our sharing guest, Dr. Smith came to our program today as promised. There is a lot of interesting knowledge waiting for us to explore. I believe everyone is looking forward to his arrival. Let's welcome Dr. Smith with warm applause. Would you say hello to our audience, Dr. Smith? Good evening, everyone. Good evening, Beth. It is quite nice to see you again. Thank you for your invitation. I'm very excited to be here. As we said before, antisense oligonucleotides are defined as chemically synthesized oligonucleotides, usually 15 to 30 nucleotides in length. Their purpose is to bind to messenger RNA and degrade it by RNAse-H via Watson-Crick base pairing rules. Antisense oligonucleotide length is closely related to their specificity, as oligonucleotides 15 to 20 nucleotides in length are able to bind uniquely to one target RNA. Unmodified RNA is rapidly degraded in vivo, and chemical structure modification and formulation development are required to enhance the drug properties of oligonucleotides. Moreover, the main problem remains the efficient delivery of these molecules in the cell and nucleus. Is it right? Exactly. Although scientists were initially surprised by the level of cellular internalization, using fluorescently labeled oligonucleotides showed that they clustered in dense particle compartments. This, coupled with their inactivity, suggests the possibility of endocytosis and subsequent lysosomal degradation. Unlike phosphodiester and phosphorothiode, the reported cellular uptake of neutral methylphosphonate oligonucleotides appears to be liquid phase endocytosis rather than passive diffusion. Which technique can be used to show the distribution of oligonucleotides after entering cells? The most intuitive observation results can be obtained using fluorescence technology. When fluorescent oligonucleotides were microinjected into cells, fluorescence analysis showed aggregation within the nucleus, where neutral molecules showed a somewhat different distribution. In the case of cationic liposome-mediated cell entry, in addition to foci, diffuse fluorescence in the cytoplasm followed by nuclear localization was observed in 90% of cells. This suggests that endocytosis is accompanied by a process that produces direct cytoplasmic delivery. If cationic liposome-mediated oligonucleotide entry into cells, do different cell types influence the choice of internalization mechanism? Also, is there a link between the composition of liposomes and the distribution of oligonucleotides in cells? Of course. Current research suggests that cells take up antisense oligonucleotides in four ways. They are passive diffusion, receptor-mediated phagocytosis, pinocytosis, and adsorptive phagocytosis. Typically, the latter three ways are the main way cells take up antisense oligonucleotides. For liposome delivery systems, significant differences between cell types, and even fusion in specific pores, are more consistent with transient lipid-mediated perforation than fusion. The composition of the liposomes is important for the distribution of the oligonucleotides. The presence of dopamidope liposomes increased nuclear localization, 
and was inhibited by cell incubation at 4 degrees Celsius and deionophormanensin. Chloroquine or ammonium chloride, on the other hand, interfered with lysosomal pH and caused disruption of the endocytic pathway without affecting nuclear aggregation. What are the forms in which liposomes interact with oligonucleotides? What factors influence the interaction? Oligonucleotides can be encapsulated inside liposomes bound to the liposome surface, and in the case of cationic liposomes, they can form electrostatic complexes. Hydrophobic oligonucleotides can be intercalated into the bilayer. For encapsulating agents, negatively charged and neutral liposomes can be used. The addition of targeting ligands and polymer coatings can affect biodistribution. For the second question, the structure and surface properties of liposomes determine several different ways in which liposomes interact with oligonucleotides. As you describe, liposome encapsulation of oligonucleotide aggregates can improve their ability to pass through cell membranes and protect them in the extracellular environment. What if the aggregate encapsulated liposome fuses with the lysosome? This is the main problem with ordinary liposomes. After fusion with lysosomes, they are degraded in endosomes along with their contents. A possible solution is to use pH-sensitive liposomes. When the pH decreases, when endocytosis occurs, it fuses with the endosome membrane and releases the endosome into the cytoplasm. How can these relatively large molecules with molecular weights between 5 and 6 keta be efficiently packaged into liposomes? What strategies can be employed? There are mainly two strategies that can be used. One can work at very high lipid concentrations where, if the proper liposomes are formed, most of the aqueous phase can be encapsulated. The problem with this approach is that large multilamellar liposomes have substantial contamination. This often significantly reduces the proportion of the internal aqueous compartment and results in a different kind of vesicle formulation. It sounds tricky. Will other problems arise? Another problem is that the oligonucleotides are added to the preformed lipid membrane and are therefore not uniformly distributed relative to the inner and outer spaces of the lipid membrane. In the ideal case of a tightly deposited lipid film, without any cracks and pores, molecules that cannot penetrate the hydrated lipid bilayer cannot be encapsulated. This means that the bilayer swells on the inside only by penetrating water molecules. After the budding and closure, other molecules are not encapsulated. In practice, what is the situation of the uneven distribution of internal and external phase molecules? How can this imbalance be eliminated? Due to many crystal defects, the proportion of molecules dissolved in the outer phase greatly exceeds that of the inner phase, usually several times the volume ratio of the phases. This ratio can be increased by reducing the asymmetry of the distribution during the opening and closing of the bilayer structure through freeze-thawing or freeze-drying rehydration. What is more, if one starts with better dispersed lipid, the mixing and asymmetry dissipation can be better. We all know that freezing destroys the structure of liposomes and may form large liposomes. However, if a cryoprotectant is added, the structure will not change and the mixing will not be effective. If neither direct freezing nor cryoprotectant can be added, what other methods can be considered? In this case, oligomers can be mixed with prefabricated small unilamellar vesicles and frozen. After several cycles of freeze-drying and rehydration, they will be reconstituted with a minimal amount of aqueous phase and will be reduced in size by appropriate means. 
working at higher drug concentrations, encapsulation efficiencies of 10 to 40%, and oligonucleotide concentrations of several milligrams per milliliter are typically obtained. According to the literature, in reverse phase methods, the sequence of steps in the liposome preparation procedure forces an asymmetric distribution of the solubilized material in the primary medium. How do you understand this statement? In short, in the beginning, water-soluble substances are excess organic solvents in the core of emulsion droplets. When the organic phase is removed, the droplets are wrapped in the gel structure. When the water phase is diluted, the gel structure is dispersed into liposomes, and the liposomes basically keep their internal solution. If handled properly, up to 70% of hydrophilic molecules can remain inside the liposome. Other demulsification methods are used in the preparation of liposomes, and even higher entrapment efficiency can be obtained. That sounds great. As the literature proves, scientists are aware of these problems and use the minimum volume or inverse phase method. I believe that this method can be further improved through the treatment discussed above. Are there many ways of binding oligonucleotides to liposomes? Or can it only be combined by electrostatic action? Some chemically modified oligonucleotides are neutral and can be bound to the surface of liposomes by hydrophobic force. However, in general, this binding state is not very stable. After in vivo injection, these molecules are unlikely to remain in liposomes. In vitro, when the dilution may not be too large when applied to cell culture, a part of the initially bound molecules can be retained on the surface according to the partition coefficient and volume ratio. Another possibility is the electrostatic binding of these negatively charged molecules to cationic liposomes. Oligonucleotides are not long enough to condense small particles like DNA. Therefore, they adsorb on liposomes and eventually lead to their aggregation and fusion. This usually leads to very large liposomes or flake precipitation. What is observed when vesicles are complexed with antisense oligonucleotides in the anionic region? In general, a situation very similar to that when liposomes deliver DNA is observed. Large oligolamellar vesicles were observed, while oval vesicles were observed in the cationic region. This change is expected because during adsorption, the surface area changes, resulting in a mismatch with the inner monolayer and forcing the shape to change. In addition, negative staining electron microscopy showed some double-layer stacking. However, it is not clear whether they are products of the drying process during sample preparation. That is all. So much for our content today. Thanks to Dr. Smith for his wonderful science popularization. Thank you for listening. There will be more interesting knowledge waiting for us in the next program. See you next time. Thank you. I hope we will see you next time.